Hello and welcome to Die Hard and Glory Hunters. I apologise, it's been a bit of a bit of a break since our last episode, but we're definitely making up for lost time. We've got two episodes this week. Um, I'll be recording another one tomorrow. So um, you get two for the price of one um, this week to make up for, for, for the, the lack of episode in the last couple. Um, and first of all, as always, we will start with the scouting report. And I um, mean, it's going to be discussed later in the podcast and maybe that's a spoiler as to who our fan of the week uh, supports but the championship season has just finished and what a finale it was um i was watching galette soccer special last night and it's just brilliant that is football it's absolute best when there are goals going in literally every other minute that change every team's fortunes and i honestly think uh, from my from the top of my head i can't think of a more dramatic final day in terms of how much um, had changed. And so it seems fitting that the player I want to focus on is from the championship. And even more fitting that it was he plays for a team um, that have obviously just, just been promoted. And that is West Brom, um, who, to be fair to them, sneaked over the line, really, um, with, <laughs> with not the most sensational um, promotion of all time, but credit where credit's due. Um, you know, you don't get promoted by luck. So well done to them. Um, and the player that I want to focus on is uh, Mateus Pereira. And I'm sure that most West Brom fans and indeed most fans who are regularly watching the championship won't be totally surprised by that. He has definitely been their standout player this season and arguably the championships, though I'm sure there are other names um, that certainly Brentford fans and others will want to throw in there. Um, but the interesting thing with Pereira now is that um, he's obviously been on loan at West Brom this season, but that is either has already been made permanent or is looking very likely to be in the near future. And so it will be really interesting um, to see how he gets on in the Premier League next season, because having watched a bit of him in the last couple of games, um, the sort of technical ability that he's got is absolutely second to none. And um, he, yeah, and he, he is really, really, um, really, really effective in that team. And the assists that he's provided this season, 17 um, in total, is a, is, a, is a really, really impressive number. And looking forward to seeing him in the Premier League next season. OK, so that leads on to, uh, obviously, uh, the main point of the show. And I'd like to welcome our fan of the week, which is Charlie. How are you doing, buddy? How are you doing, mate? You OK? I'm really well, thank you. Thanks for coming on. And, no of course, first question, who is your team? Uh, my team is the dreaded Millwall. <laughs> <laughs> dreaded by opposition fans, I assume, but not by yourself. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> okay. And so, as always, Charlie, uh, first question is sort of, why is it that you support Millwall? And just take us back to your sort of first memories of supporting um, the club. Um, I think my... Grasp for Millwall is from my father. He was the first person who took me to a game. Um, I think it was back in 2001, I think was my first game. I think we were just promoted from what the equivalent of the League One is now. Um, I can't remember the day exactly, but I know for a fact we started the season with a 4-0 win against Norwich that day. And some of the players we had out that day was remarkable from a squad that had got promoted the season before. I mean, we had the likes of Tim Cahill, mm -hmm. Steve, Cla Steve Claridge, 
Lucas mm-hmm. Neal, all established names from the Premier League era that are currently playing now. Obviously retired, but you know, you still look at Tim Cahill was a big icon. Claridge was massive as well. He moved around a lot of clubs. I don't know, Lucas Neal made a good career as well. well. There was a good load of players in there who went on to better themselves and it's quite remarkable that was my first game with them sort of players. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's one of those things where I think, you know, people's memories in football are short and it's easy to forget that Millwall was really Cahill in particular, um, in no disrespect to the, the other two, but he is really the standout name there um, because he's probably, and um, I don't think this is too controversial a statement to say, but maybe Australia's greatest ever footballer. And though they're not a country that are obviously known for their, uh, in, as they would call it, soccer um, credentials, yeah. Um, there is still some stiff competition there. So, yeah, the the Cahill association with Millwall is one that is, well, he could be easily forgotten, but very interesting to say that obviously he was kicking around when you first started watching the team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, funny enough, he actually scored on that day. I think it was a final goal. It wasn't a header, surprisingly. I think it was a tapping from a couple of yards. But, right. You know, <laughs> yeah. But, you know... The fact that I saw Timmy on the first game and what he went on to was, you know, it's pretty remarkable, I think, in all fairness. Mm. Um, okay, so now we'll we'll sort of switch to the to the, the um, present day and the current team. And given that you're the first fan who's able to give us sort of a a whole season um, <laughs> perspective or reflection, um how do you see the season? Obviously, finishing eighth in the end, just two points off the playoffs. Um, good, bad. How do you see it? I think we can't say we've had anything of a bad season, especially considering where we were by the start of the season. I mean, by the time Neil Harris left in October, I think mm-hmm. we, we'd lost a number of games on the trot. The players weren't playing well. The fans were grumbling. They weren't happy. And I think eventually... When Harris lost, we got Gary Rowlock come in, steady mm-hmm. the ship, brought in new ideas, new formations, his own staff, you know, and when we got to January, we got some new players in, some new blood. Uh, and I think from there, we've had a remarkable season. I think, I think personally for me, I think given the lockdown period and when the football finished, we was one of the teams in the league that were really going on with form. I mean, we the last game we played before lockdown, we beat Nottingham Forest 3-0 away. They were yeah. high in the league at the same time. So I think given those circumstances, we had a great season, but we just failed. Just felt a bit short, I think, this season. But, you know, we've definitely got high hopes for next season with Rout at the helm. Right, yes. No, that was going to be my, my next question, really, on, on the managerial front, because obviously, Neil Harris, I assume, I would be very surprised if you were to have too many negative things to say about him, given both his playing career and subsequent managerial career at um, Millwall. And then interestingly, he's obviously gone on to um, lead Cardiff into the playoffs. Um, so were you sad to see him go? Was it the right time for him to go? And lastly, I assume you think Rower is definitely the man to take the club forward. I think the job that Harris done in those four and a half years was remarkable. I think as mm-hmm. a player, as a club legend, he knew the time was right to go, I think. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's one of them ones where I think he potentially ran out of ideas and I think he knew that things weren't working. So I think he did the right thing. And I think every fan, well, I hope so, agreed that he did the right thing and that he left the club in a stable position. OK, he wasn't playing well, but 
it wasn't in the relegation zone. They were still quite clear of the drop. But I think he done the right thing, and I think he knows he does. He done well doing that. And then look at him now. I mean, he's in the playoffs with Cardiff, so yeah. I think it's win win for both situations. And I mean, mm-hmm. Rowett came in, and Rowett steadied the ship. I mean, he didn't do well at Stoke and Derby in his last jobs, but he's coming to us, and he's took us from you know a team that probably punched above their weight for a number of years, and now we're chasing the playoffs again so I think the job that he's done is pretty remarkable and I'm glad that he's he's here and I look forward to him next season hopefully taking us into the playoffs but I mean it's a big push but we'll see what happens mm. yeah no absolutely um uh, yeah and it's interesting that you say that because um I hope I'm not disrespecting yourself or any Millwall fans here but I think certainly it's uh, felt recently like perhaps the team have been punching a bit above their weight in terms of it's not a club with a huge amount of finances. Um, it's not a club in recent history that have, you know, have come down from the Premier League and have therefore got you know, um, parachute payments or anything like that. So, no, it does seem like um, the squad you've got there uh, it sort of, and I don't mean this unflatteringly un- at all, but sort of like a, 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 a similar job to what Burnley are doing in the Premier League with obviously with similar success, Millwall are able to do in the championship. Is that fair? Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, it only took us until, I think it was 2018, when we broke our transfer record. We actually spent a million pounds on a player, and that was broken a week later. So I think mm-hmm. we are definitely punching above our weight in the aspects of budget. I mean, you look at some of the money that Leeds, West Brom... Not in the forest. They they've got loads of money to spend. I mean, you look at Derby getting Wayne Rooney into the club. I mean, his his wages at this level must be extortionate. So the mm-hmm. fact that we're able to compete with these clubs on a lower budget, you know, it, I think it's paramount of how well we've done as a club over the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then well, I'm sort of changing tack again here because this is a question that um, I, I you know as soon as I found out that you were coming on the podcast, I thought. I would ask you, and that's sort of in in the broader terms. As a Millwall supporter, how do you perceive from the inside out the sort of reputation that Millwall and Millwall fans have got from the rest of the footballing world? Is it is it justified? Um, and is the sort of uh, the the fear factor, I guess, because I think for some it it, it is definitely a fear factor factor is that something that you sort of embrace and use to your advantage do you think um i mean the club's always had a reputation ever since i've been first going obviously the dad's told me about the past and i mean you you can always look on the internet and find out a lot of stuff about the club and its reputation but i think over yeah. the last few years the club's really come along leaps and bounds i mean i think it was only is it 2017 or 18 i think we got family club of the year for the whole EFL, I think mm-hmm. that was including the Premier League as well. So it clearly shows that the club is trying to get rid of that reputation as, uh, you know, a dreaded club and things like that. But I think the club has done really well in the time it's had. Um, and, you know, I think, but in terms of the reputation, I think, as they say on telly and stuff like that, coming to the den is a place where no one wants to go, you know, the atmosphere yeah. and, you know, it can be quite, scary for an opposition player I think because the atmosphere can be quite electric and quite fierce but I think overall the club's mm-hmm. really come on loops and bounds in terms of the reputation and to tarnish some of the history we've had yeah absolutely I mean um 
my dad is, is <laughs> scared to tell you is a West oh, Ham God. fan <laughs> and he he obviously um was watching games during well probably not during the worst of it but during that sort of era and in fact I do know what a Millwall brick is we don't need to go into the details <laughs> of what that involves um but yeah but that, I suppose that everyone has been brought up on the on the stories um but but no it just was really interesting to get your your views on that really because um a, a, as you say Millwall is a a modern football club and it is you know i didn't know that they'd won the the efl family club award um which is perhaps sort of a perhaps uh it's it's a reputation that's being built up more by those outside the club than those within it um which i think which i think yeah it's very interesting to hear okay so thanks for that buddy we're going to move on to uh not so quick fire quick fire questions um and we'll stick with the current team to start and that is your favorite Current player? Um, it's a toss up between many players, but I think I'd definitely go for Jed Wallace. I think on current form this season, um, he's definitely been our best player this year. I mean, you only have to look at his stats this season. I think in the first, in the four divisions, I think he's one of the only players to have scored 10 goals and assisted 10 goals. And I think for a team like us, mm-hmm. who's obviously still punching, he's a pivotal player in that sort of form we've had this season and I mean without him I don't think we'd be anywhere near where we are currently yeah and do you know what that that would have been my guess um you know for your answer so it's interesting that you said that and I I have to say my own I've obviously not seen as much of Jeb Wallace as you have but I did watch the um Charlton Millwall game um a couple of weeks ago or maybe more than that now um and to be honest it was a bit of a it was a classic sort of championship style slugfest really um not that it wasn't entertaining by any stretch um but perhaps you know a lack of quality on the pitch would be fair with the exception of Jed Wallace who I thought was the standout that day um and just seemed to be as you as you as you said um not quite on a different level that would be unfair on the other players but just able to always seem to have a bit more time on the ball than anyone else um, and able to pick a pass and all of that kind of stuff. And the stats sort of, as you say, um, back that up really. Um, uh, and it, it, and do you think he's the key man in, in that Millwall team at Absolutely. the moment? Absolutely. I mean, probably I'd say since lockdown, he's not been our best player. I think he's been carrying a bit of an injury and he's not had the same effect. But mm-hmm. prior to the lockdown from August to March, he's easily been the best player we've had this season. And I think, you know, because he plays for Millwall, maybe he's not had the attention he probably deserves. But I think that's quite a good thing mm-hmm. for us because, you know, people are not saying too much about him and he's not much in the shot window. I think it's a good thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. OK, so we'll move. Um, we'll go broader now and we'll go for favourite player of all time or even favourite player that you can remember. Uh, I've already mentioned him, but I think I'll have to go for Kayo, I think. Right. Okay, so just talk a bit about, you know, Cahill in his Millwall days and what made him stand out. Um, I think, obviously, for me, it was just the way he played. I mean, you could tell that on a pitch, he was a real standout player. You know, he was everywhere, box to box. And, I mean, for a player that was probably, I don't know, five for eight, five for ten, he's got a lot of headed goals mm-hmm. from midfield. You'd think yeah. he was a striker the way he jumped. I mean, he even done it for Everton in the Premier League as well. You know, I think his stats... Mm-hmm. 
clearly show there. But I think just from what he did in his career, you know, he went on to Australia, become their top goal scorer. But I think from a middle perspective, I think it was just the fact that he was just one of them that players that stood out every game, you know. He was everywhere and the career he had shows how good he was. And, you know, I, I don't think many people my age would probably disagree with Kale being their most favourite player as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, spoiler, we sort of, we sort of talked about him earlier um, and the sort of, you know, obviously the career and the name that he's gone on, gone on to have. Um, okay. Um, we'll go back to the current side then and sort of flip the question round. And if any, is there a player that you would, if you were Gary Rowett in the summer, be looking to move on? Um, I suppose this can be quite a controversial choice. I'd say our record signing, Ryan Leonard. Um, I think we signed him from Sheffield okay. United in 2018. Um, I think they signed right. him in the January beforehand, um, obviously by Chris Wilder. And I don't think he got on really well up there and I think we actually paid about one and a half million pounds for him so that was uh he is our record transfer but I don't think in the two two years we've had him he's really shown his ability yet you know I think he's, he's been all right since lockdown but I don't think he's shown his value of what we paid for him you know he's, he's not been the player I think everyone expected him to be Right. Okay. Good choice. And then um, similar question then, if you were also, if you were Gary Rout once more, who would you be looking, who would you wish you would sign um, in the summer? I think I'd definitely go for Jason Malumbi. Um I don't think many people know about him outside of Millwall, but we signed him from Brighton the season long known. Um, the, the ability right. I think this kid has got is, is pretty exceptional, you know. He's a box-to-box midfielder. He's got plenty of stamina. He likes to tackle. And I think in a season as well, Wallace has stood out. But I think he's been one of them unsung heroes. And I, I think generally he would be a great addition to the squad. I mean, I, I don't suppose his price tag to be very cheap. But um, I think he's going to have go <laughs> on and have a massive career, I think, whether it's at Brighton or it's somewhere else. But I think, I think the kid's really got something. And I think this season's really showed it. I think he's barely played for Brighton in their first team, so he got loaned out to the Championship, which is quite big, considering you've barely played yeah. senior football. But the fact that he come to the Championship, which is, in my eyes, one of the best leagues in the world now, you know, it's it's totally up there. But he's really stood out this season. And I, I love it if Raul was to sign him maybe on another season-long loan, but I'm sure Brighton have got plans for him, whether it's another loan out to a lower... Premier League club or a high-end championship club but yeah if we had the money I'd, I'd hope Rowett would invest in him but I can't really see it unfortunately. <laughs> okay no that's an interesting one so um, obviously he's a central midfield player yeah. isn't he? Yeah and he scored I think I was watching uh, the other day did he get a deflected one against QPR is that right the other yeah, night? Yeah I think he scored one against Forrest as well in that 3-0 Win a couple of right. months ago, but it was taken off him for a match mm-hmm. who got a hat trick that day. So, yeah, I think he definitely scored on the weekend, but I didn't see it myself. Right. Um, yeah. So he, yeah, he. So I've sort of seen glimpses of him myself without, obviously, as you say, getting um, the sense of him that you described. So it's interesting because, obviously, with Brighton um, under Graham Potter, they seem to be a team that you you don't really know. Um, 
who they're going to pick. So it'd be interesting to see if he does get a chance at Brighton next season. And I don't mean that in, in a case of let's hope he doesn't go back to Millwall because it seems like he's developing really well there. But it will be very interesting to see, you know, what, what, what the next year of his career looks like, really. And if he does either break into the, the Brighton team in the Premier League or if he continues playing at a, at a good level in the championship. And it's interesting what you say about the championship, because I totally agree. And I mean, anyone that um, likes football would have been absolutely thrilled by um, last night's action. It is, it is a wonderful league um, and probably the most unpredictable league week in, week out, in terms of anyone could honestly be anyone. Um, and, and yeah, um, so... It's interesting that you say uh, Malumbi is the is the player to the player that you'd you'd want to sign. Okay, so once more we'll go we'll go broader, and I'm interested to know your answer for favourite match of all time. That's another tough one I looked at, um, but I go for the playoff game in 2010. It was a second leg at home to Huddersfield, and um, we won two right. that night. And you could already tell by the time Huddersfield reached the pitch, they crumbled. Um, I read that in book. I read that in various <laughs> books as well from players and stuff like that. But they said in the tunnel they just wasn't up for it, and you could tell that they were scared when because I mean when the dens packs with a twenty thousand crowd, I mean various managers said it, it feels like forty thousand because it's that electric, it's that fierce, it's that aggressive, and I think that night just you know we could have had kids out and still beating them that night because we were that we were that good the atmosphere was that good and i don't think there's anything stopping us that night and to get to wembley at the end of it was you know just the ice on the cake i think okay so uh, you said 2010 yeah, did you? 10 years ago okay so just i, I mean i personally can't remember the game so who, who was who was sort of in the team at that time is that steve morrison era that is that was right morrison's first season and i think in that season he scored 20, 23 right. goals i think that season um harris was his strike partner. Mm-hmm. all right yeah, okay so they formed a bit of a, a deadly duo there i think they got around 40 goals between them so that was a real good season um I'm trying to think who else is in there that you know but you don't need to go player by player. I just, I was yeah, just yeah, wondering for my own interest, out, really. That's what it was. <laughs> and, and who um, was that? Um, Kenny Jackett's yeah, Jack, team. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. No. Okay. Well, interesting that you say that then. Um, okay. And then I wonder if you've got an answer for this one. Then, do you have a worst match ever that you can remember? Um. Yeah. There's one that sticks out for me. I think it was. In the days of Steve Lomas and his awful days as manager of us, um, mm-hmm. it was a Boxing Day game, early kickoff at Watford, and we lost 4 0. And you could tell that was the end for him, and it was such a bad day. I think we had uh, Danny Shitu sent off after nine minutes, and then Dean scored right. a penalty in the 10th minute. And I think from there, you know, it was one of them days where you knew what was going to happen. and the result, how it was going to play out. And we just got stuffed that day. 4-0, there was, the players didn't want to play. The manager didn't want to come out and do anything. That was probably the worst game I'd say I've been to in terms of how they played. And, you know, it, it just felt like an awful period. And once after that game, Lomas got sacked, you know, we had a bit more of a, bit of a cheer at Christmas for that because of his West Ham connection. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. you know, after that, we had Ian Holloway yeah. come in. 
steadied the ship. So that was okay for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was a strange appointment. <laughs> Looking back, um, sort of, well, I don't know if it's maybe blowing up <laughs> Steve Lomas here because I'm not sure he's considered a West Ham legend, but certainly, you know, a player who did a good job for West Ham for a number of years to become Millwall manager. That was a strange choice of appointment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like, let's say, for example, Neil Harris going to West Ham. It just really wouldn't work, would it? Whether he gets the results no. or not, it's that hatred between the two clubs. And I don't think it'll ever work, that personally, myself. You know, I think Lomas no. did a good job in Scotland. You can't um, argue the job he did at St Johnston. But I think the fact that you're coming down to a club who've had a manager for five years, who's left, all right, it was good that he was fresh, but some of the players he signed were just not up to it. And, you know, I just think the whole West Ham connection before he even started killed him, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, unpopular opinion here, but if me and you formed a managerial duo, we'd do a decent job at St. Johnson in Scotland. I mean, that is not (laughs) (laughs) no offence to any St. Johnston fans watching, but I don't consider that a mark of managerial nows, really. Um, Okay, right. Really interesting um, to hear your answers on that one. The other game that um, I mean, this is purely for a bit of continuity, really. But I've got a Man United fan set up um, for tomorrow uh, as the second half of the double header this week. And I just wondered if you remembered anything about the FA Cup final of 2004, which I guess is probably the highest profile game Millwall have been involved in in the last 20 years or so. Yeah, it was massive, but I think at the time I was only a six year old. So it was one of them ones where I didn't remember too much. Um, the t- the right. tickets were like gold dust that day, so unfortunately I couldn't get there. Yeah, but I, I do remember um, the build-up to the game. You know, it was it was unbelievable. You know, I mean, I actually live in Cheltenham, which is in a different area, but you could tell that even yeah. around the Millwall fans, everyone was excited. You know, the fact that he was playing Man United in an FA Cup final. I mean. If you said that after we beat Warsaw in the third round, we'd be playing Man United in Cardiff, I don't think many people believed you. But um, the day itself was, yeah, it was good. I mean, we had the game on at 12 o'clock and I think my dad that day originally got me a full kit with the uh, special, um, you know, the writing they have on the top and everything. I had Harris on the back. So I think that was an early birthday present I got early. But, you know, I think, the day itself, we didn't expect to win. You know, it was one of them day outs. So unfortunately, I wasn't there. But, you know, 3-0 to Man United with a team they had out that day wasn't a bad result, I don't think. No, no, absolutely. And, and you know, again, I'm sort of shooting off the top of my head here. But other than Cardiff, I can't think of another... Uh, are we in the championship yeah, then? Yeah, we were. And we was actually in promotion yeah. that season as well. But I think the FA... Oh, FA there you Cup, go. You know, it was a great day, but it probably ruined our chances of getting promoted. Yeah, absolutely. But no, other than Cardiff, that you're the only, um, you know, championship slash second division side that I can I can think of getting to the FA Cup final in in recent memory. So no, an unbelievable achievement. Um, despite the result, I mean, if you had one, it, it would have gone down in history. I wouldn't even need we wouldn't even need to sort of yeah. actually bring it up to remember it. It, it, it would be the first thing I said. Uh, interesting, time, I and also. Uh, funny that you said that your um, 
uh, Dad bought you a full kit because <laughs> delving into personal matters, obviously you've got a new a new baby. Have you bought a Millwall kit yourself? <laughs> uh, yeah, believe me, it's cost a lot of leg here and there. But no, um, my dad, my dad bought in the home and away kit this season. Um, yeah, he's worn them once or twice, but you know, as they grow up, they grow out of it. So. Roll on the new season, yeah. another forty pound down the drain again. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, there you go, mate. That's the, that's the way football supporting goes. Gets passed down, kit after kit. <laughs> okay, well, lovely to speak to you. Thank you so no much problem. for coming on. Um, be really been really interesting to get the thoughts of a true Millwall supporter and um for obviously all the listeners as i said we've got another episode tomorrow um but do get in touch in the meantime if anyone would like to come on the podcast obviously everyone is still welcome i think as of tomorrow we'll have done nine um nine teams across all four divisions um which leaves what's that nearly 81 82 83 left to go um so if you're a fan of a team that hasn't yet been mentioned do get in touch with me on instagram twitter and facebook i'll put all the um handles in the spotify description um and yeah look forward to speaking to you all again soon thank you charlie mate thanks so much no problem all the best